The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. I feel a little bloodied. I happened to uh, spend a few minutes watching the presidential debate between Vice President uh, Joe Biden and President Donald Trump and talk about a bloodbath. A a uh, a boxing match. I don't know what the metaphors are. All I know is, man, it was uh, it was it was brutal for the few minutes I got to watch it. Anyway, uh, but you know that's part of the process. <laughs> Go at it, boys. Go at each other. That's what we want to see. Maybe I don't know. We've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about past life experiences, particularly with two people who have a shared path li- past life history. David Bettenhausen and Carla Bogni Kidd will be with us. They'll be talking about the fact that through meditation, they discovered a portal to past lives and a whole new path to better living. Their journey has taken them through 29 past lives together. Uh, Along the way, uh, the two of them learned a lot about themselves. They learned a lot about God, and they learned about why we reincarnate over and over. So uh, that'll be our discussion tonight. Looking forward to that. It'll probably be much more civil than what was happening on the television just a little while ago. Uh, a couple of news stories that, that came to uh, my attention that I wanted to bring up. In fact, uh, I was going to bring these up yesterday, I think. I'm not sure if I had them both ready yesterday. I just forgot to. But many of us watched the Netflix series, the docu-series called, I think it was called Tiger King. Is that what the name of it was with Joe Exotic and all that? And uh, one of the lingering questions from that program was that um, what happened to Carol Baskin's first husband, right? I mean, there were a bunch of questions for sure. That wasn't the only one, but that's one of the ones that keeps surfacing, especially because she was on what, Dancing with the Stars or something like that, I guess. I don't watch those program so i'm not entirely sure but i think that's what it was and um people keep saying you know in a whispered sense uh what happened to her first husband the circumstances are a little strange he just disappeared etc etc well it turns out investigators and now we're talking about private investigators from what i understand here have gotten uh the ability to use cadaver dogs to go search carol baskin's um missing husband's lake house That's according to a retired detective who has been uh, undergoing or or overseeing, I guess, the uh, look into this particular disappearance of her first husband, Don Lewis. Apparently, more information is coming to light since the airing of the Netflix series that points to maybe some foul play. And of course, that, uh, that has been for a very long time the assertion, at least for those people who... Uh, don't believe Carol Baskin's story. Uh, Joe Exotic was one of those people, in fact. However, he's in jail. Uh, but anyway, they're going to they're gonna take Canaver Dogs, if they haven't already, I'm not sure when they intended to do this, to the area near the lake house of her former, her ex-husband, her missing uh, husband who disappeared in 1997, I believe it was. And although it was 23 years ago, they still think they might be able to get uh, some answers with these cadaver dogs. And they also... Uh, have additional testimony coming forward now that the investigation has opened up again they've got people who are coming forward and talking about the case and it may completely upend 
what's going on here in the investigation and, and the formally closed case of the missing uh, husband of Carol Baskin. So we'll see how that goes. We'll keep tabs on it as best we can. I'm sure it'll make big news if anything is uncovered or discovered. The other thing I wanted to talk about briefly, too, is there was a woman who was uh, determined missing two years ago. And just the other day, she was actually discovered live, alive, drifting at sea. And she was discovered by some fishermen. Now, her story is a varied one. And the first thing I thought is, wow, this is kind of like a a real-life castaway. You know, Tom Hanks and Wilson, all that stuff, castaway situation here but it appears that's not quite it was what it is she has was not um drifting at sea for two years i can't imagine anybody surviving that of course uh but she was been on the run for a long time and somehow she ended up in uh on, on a, a flotation device in the ocean so again more information will be coming uh to us about that particular case but it was pretty stunning footage i don't know if you happen to catch it or not but it was been circulating um, all over social media, so you probably have. Interesting stuff. It's amazing when you pay attention to what's going on in the news, how some of this really interesting stuff comes forward. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Just look for J.V. Johnson. Subscribe to us on Twitch. Same thing. Look for J.V. Johnson. Follow us on Facebook and also uh, subscribe to the podcast version of the program as well. That'll Doing all those things will keep you uh, in the loop. You'll always know what we have going on and what's up next on the program. Let's take a break, and then let's get our guests. Again, tonight, Dr. David Bettenhausen and Carla Bogney-Kidd will be on to talk about past lives. It's beyond reality. We've got a great show ahead for you tonight. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Welcome back to the program. It's Beyond Reality. I'm your host, JV. Thanks for being here. And just like my hair grows uncontrollably, so does the audience. Welcome to all the new folks uh, listening to the program tonight, especially if you're in our chat room. Thank you for joining us there. Please uh, participate. Send your thoughts. uh, Communicate your ideas. We love to see that. If you've got questions, please put them in the chat room as well. I try to keep up with those as best I can between me and Eddie. We do the best that we can. We don't always see them, so you might have to post them a couple of times because sometimes the chat room moves rather quickly and we don't catch all of the questions, but we will try. Tonight we're going to be talking about past lives. This is something we've addressed on the program a few times, and it's always interesting and we always learn more. And this is a particularly unique approach to this discussion. We've got two guests with us tonight. Dr. David Bettenhausen and Carla Bogney-Kidd, they're not just past life experiencers, but they've journeyed through 29 past lives together. It's always a little bit confusing. We have two people on, but we're going to make this as, as easy to follow as possible. David and Carla, welcome to the program. Great to have you both with us tonight. Thank you. Good yep, to be great here. to be here, J.B. So um, just before we get into the meat of the discussion here, I want to mention you you have written a couple books about your experiences, including The Gift of Past Lives with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth, and Hell, No, Reincarnation with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth, and your website is thegiftofpastlives.com. I'm not sure where to start with this, other than maybe trying to understand exactly how it all started for you two. 
Okay. Well, um, back in 2014, um, I asked Dave a simple question. I said, do you want to try to meditate? And what was going on in our office, the medical office that we worked in, um, I was Dave's office manager, and he was still practicing at the time. He uh, was a physician. And he was really stressed out. We were implementing electronic medical records. He was very grouchy, very unreachable. Normally, he's like Fred Flintstone or Yogi Bear. So him being like this, I knew we had to do something. So I asked the question, and he agreed. And it was really probably the right time for me, JV, because what really happened, I was so stressed by all of this and was working suddenly, you know, the eight-hour days were becoming 14-hour days and electronic medical records were awful. The first few days, I just thought, this is a great break. We turned off all the computers. We meditated for about 30 minutes. You know, everything was dark, Carlos lit a candle and played some music in the office. Girls meditated, and we thought it was fantastic. Um, however, we kept meditating, and then one day while I was meditating, I had a memory, and the memory was me on a beach. It was from 1962, and that's going to slightly give my age away, because um, I was three years old. My father went to graduate school. We lived in Nebraska. We traveled all the way across the country to Boston. And when I was telling Carla and her, his, her, uh, her sister, Paula, they both looked at me and said, when were you in Boston? Because they were raised in Boston. And I said, oh, and was telling about my dad and the graduate school thing. And the subject had really never come up. I had never really remembered this memory until that day. But I started to tell him the memory. I was running on a beach on the beach in Boston. I'd never seen a beach before. And there were I saw the Ferris wheel in the background and the and a big roller coaster and they looked at me and they said, You were on Revere Beach in Boston And I said, Well, I don't know what beach it was. I'm three years old and I said, I just remember this day because I was running on the beach and as I was running, this little girl came over and pushed me down, sat on my chest, gave me a kiss on the forehead. I was appalled because I was three. <laughs> then she jumped up and she put both hands on her hips. She had this angry-looking face. She had a two-piece blue bathing suit with little ruffles on it and a little pot belly hanging there. And I heard her mother say, Carla, this is not how young ladies behave. Yep, that was me. But wow. I did I did behave like that apparently back then, and I was familiar enough with him to push him down and plant one on him. <laughs> now, let, now. Let, you've, you've you've given us a lot of information already, so I just need to break it down a little bit so that we're all following the story. This came to you, David, during a med- uh, meditative session. You were meditating, right? And this this Correct. memory came back to you at then. You were you remember this incident when you were three years old, um, but. Uh, Carla was working for you or with you at the time, and you didn't recognize this was the same person that you were ultimately going to remember you had met all those years ago, right? That's exactly the case. We never kept in touch. You know, it was this one-day memory, and it was 36 years later that I had finished my residency and walked in and bought the practice that she was the office manager. Now, that's not all. Let Carla finish the rest of this story. Okay. Well, the only reason I remember this particular day is 
because um, we were from a good Catholic family. We had five daughters. I'm the youngest. Um, and my parents didn't have a car. They would get separated and then back together, separated back together. Well, we were together that day. They got two cabs and took us to Revere Beach. And when we got there, for whatever reason, I did not have a bathing suit. Everybody else had one but me. So we went across the street to one of those souvenir shops, and I got my first two-piece blue bathing suit with ruffles, and I was ecstatic, not just because of the bathing suit, but because my family was together, and that seldom happened, and it stuck with me forever. So when Dave started to talk about this, a chill went up my back. I remembered that. I didn't remember him until just a couple of years ago when I was regressed and I saw the whole thing again. When you when it came back to you, were you also in a meditative state? Uh, I was under, I was having regression therapy. So, yes. You were having regression therapy. Now, this, again, if we're following the story properly, this was not a past life for you. This was this life. That was, was this, this life. life. Correct. And uh, but you were both very young ch- children at the time, yes. And um, probably com- had completely erased it from your mind. Not necessarily erased it; it's just things you don't necessarily remember uh, like that. Uh, until this this coming together, uh, how long had you worked together before you had these sessions and, and meditative uh, situations where these memories came back? Had you been working together for a while at that point? Well, yes. yeah, we'd have all been already been working together for almost sixteen years. Oh wow. Um, you know, we've been best of friends now for 22, um, and apparently we met when we were three and four, and we didn't really remember it till this. And so, you know, that alone was kind of strange for us, and we were like, wow, this is kind of interesting. And then here's what starts to happen, because I keep meditating every day because it's made me a happy, nice doctor again, and Everybody's not complaining in the office, and we're all surviving the medical record change. And and every morning I'm coming in and meditating, and every night when I go home I meditate. So one evening as I was falling to sleep and I was meditating again, I saw myself in a dark alley. There were men surrounding me. I saw Carla, or what sort of looked like Carla, standing in the alley watching now, I knew it was her more because she has these steel blue eyes, but I saw the eyes. She looked different. She was young, blonde, dressed like a flapper. And then I felt this thud in my chest and pressure on my chest, and I fell backwards. And I realized that I'm being shot. I'm thinking I'm having a dream. Everything went back, but everything went black. And then I actually fell out of bed, hit my nightstand, Ooh. knocked off the uh, lamp that was on the bed, and I thought, I've got, to, I've got to tell her about this because this is even more bizarre than the memory that I had about the beach. So the next day I started to get some details while we were meditating in the morning, and I started filling her in on what I had had in this dream or this meditative memory, and I learned that she was a flapper. Her name was Ruby Donaldson, and my name was Jonathan or J.J., and I kind of explained these things to Carla, and over the next few months, we kept getting more details about a life in 1925 where her name was Ruby, 
that she was born in Bullock, Georgia, and had been moved to Chicago. She worked for some mobster named Angelo, which I had never heard of. And apparently Ruby and J.J. met at Angelo's wedding. And there came a day when I was not working when Dave called me at home, and he was telling me some of these things. And I actually got on to Ancestry.com, and I did find Ruby Donaldson, born in 1904 in Bullock, Georgia. She was one of 11 children born to James and Anna Donaldson. And then I found a mobster named Angelo Jenna. He was actually uh, the head of the North End in um, Chicago in Little Italy before Al Capone. I found two newspaper articles. One of them um, confirmed a wedding, January the 10th, 1925, the other one was a picture of the wedding cake when he married Lucille Spagnola. And the reason they had a picture of this cake is because it was over 10 feet tall. There were like over 3,000 mobsters at this wedding. <laughs> it was a big one. Wow. So we had some solid evidence. Yeah, so, so again, just again, to make sure that everybody's following along here, David, you had this um, this vision or, or memory or uh come to you while you were meditating again, and again, this was something prior to this life this time, you had all these details, you presented them to Carla. Um, Carla, I'm assuming you were amazed at the time, but then you, then you did some research and you were able to corroborate it. Oh, I wanted, I wanted proof. <laughs> yeah, she, she didn't believe it, and I actually thought that potentially, again, I'm, I'm a doctor, and I thought maybe I was crazy losing my mind and sure. all this stuff, medical records had gotten to me. Sure. So did you, uh, I may have missed it when you were telling the story, but when you had this vision, David, and you, you said you were, uh, you know, you were shot um, and you saw Ruby, uh, did you know at that point that that was Carla? I knew that that was Carla. It was, it was definitely Carla. And I have to even kind of tell you that as this went even more, we would do more meditating and I would... And then there was a day when I actually came into the office because I would learn another scene from this life. And I, I saw the scene where we met at the wedding and that I walked her home after the wedding and, or the next day, actually, because I invited her to go to breakfast. And then I invited her, you know, wanted to see her again. And I came in and I was trying to explain the conversation and everything that happened with Ruby and J.J., and as I was talking to her, I literally felt like I became J.J. And as I'm having the conversation, what blew me away the most is Carla started to answer the questions like she was Ruby. She had the exact same memory. She knew the the next line before I asked her the question. Well, Carla, did you... um have you mentioned having re- regression therapy sessions um we were talking about that in the prior uh question that I had asked and the answer that you gave uh were you doing that for some time leading up to this had you had you been having these sessions regularly never you had not my first regression was only 2 years ago oh, this wow. was all done through spontaneous memory and through meditation so when david presented this story to you about a gangster and a wedding and you know all all this information did it did it ring uh, familiar to you at the time? You know, there's a lot of things in our subconscious 
um, world. Interesting to me that twice in my adult life, um, once going to a costume party and once going to a, a murder mystery dinner, I dressed up as a blonde flapper. Hmm. Isn't that funny? Of all that the is things funny, I yeah. Choose, yeah, that that's what I chose to be. So apparently, you know, I remembered some of it. I just, yeah. It just wasn't real obvious to me. And, of course, we, you know, we found out later that uh, um, my boss, Angelo Jenna, was actually my first husband in this life. In this life? In this life. Wow. Uh-huh. That that's going to lead to a whole bunch of questions that I've got later about you know groups of people that kind of travel through lifetimes together. Oh yes, um, which we'll get into. But I want to make sure before we start moving on to other parts of this that that you've completed the story of how this this began for you. It, would you call that point that moment when you were able to corroborate this story and you both started to have these shared memories of a past life? Was that the point where you knew you had to investigate this further? Absolutely. Absolutely. We were already writing everything down. We were journaling and journaling everything we got every day, and nothing was making sense until this point. And, and since then, we've, it's interesting because we've found past lives in places that Carla has traveled. She's been to the Mayan Riviera, and we found a past life that was a Mayan life. She's been to Rome, and we found a, a, a Roman life. Those kind of things started to really blow us away as we were adding things up because there was a day I saw this Mayan temple. I didn't really know what it was, a Mayan temple, but I was talking about a temple, and Carla brought it up on the computer screen and says, it didn't look like this. And I said, yeah, it's that one, because she had been there in this life. Mm -hmm. So she's been drawn back to some of her past lives, and I was there too. Did either of you have an opinion on this whole topic prior to this epiphany? Uh, particularly you, David, as a medical doctor. Did you have any thoughts on this at all? Well, not only was I raised Catholic, but I really didn't think that this was a high probability. Now, since then, again, I'm, I'm a doctor, so I've done as much research as I can. Carla had read the book, Many Lives, Many Masters, by Brian Weiss, we did go get past life regression training because I needed to know more about this than I knew. Um, I've read all the research by Ian Stevenson and James Matlock where they have gone back and studied childhood memories of children where they've kind of verified oh, yeah. mm-hmm. two or 3,000 cases of true reincarnation cases. I've read about NDEs, trying to figure out what I can piece together that makes the most sense. And certainly it matches our my meditation experiences that during these NDEs, people have spiritual beings that they see. They have some sort of past life review. They seem to meet family again or return in family groups. All those kind of things are very consistent across NDEs, past life regressionists, some of these spontaneous memories, the memories that children have. And so even if I want to consider past life memory regression anecdotal and anecdotal evidence, I consider it all part of the picture. And I've become, and through meditation, even more sure that this is the reality. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm going to follow up on that in just a second, but Carla, before I move on to that, uh, what about you? Did you have any preconceived notions about this before you started to uncover it? Well, I was raised Catholic, um, but I never, I never just believed what people told me. It, it didn't make sense to me that we just, um, you know, we're born, we try to do the best, and if we don't, we go to hell. Um, if we do pretty good, we go to heaven. None of that made sense to me. I thought there had to be something more to the big picture. And reincarnation to me made sense. It made sense to me. So I've I've been reading about those things, you know, for years, but never had any proof until now. I'm em- I'm embarrassed to say this, but I I, I was uh, I'll, I'll say raised Catholic, but my family was not necessarily a church going family, but I was baptized Catholic anyway. Uh, I don't completely understand the uh, Catholic position on reincarnation, other than it doesn't happen, right? Correct. Right. They have removed it from everything. Yeah. And, and, and part of that, you know, you said early, J.B., that we wrote a second book, and part of the second book, Hell No Reincarnation, was really our attempt to kind of justify what we learned when we were Catholic, what other religions and faiths think. We do have some more past life stories in that book, but we actually went through and looked at some of the the church history um, that's not really in the Bible, mm-hmm. not really published, not really approved. And we really found that even to 200 um, A.D., Origen, who really wrote almost all of the Catholic doctrine, who was really a Jewish-trained um, and Greek-trained philosopher, who lived in Egypt, no less, but who wrote most of the early Catholic doctrine, his doctrines all included reincarnation, and it was about 400 A.D. that the Church actually excommunicated him because it appeared that the Church didn't believe that we could control the people if they thought they had another chance. Ah. <laughs> it always comes down to that, doesn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. How will the Church control if if people get chance after chance to right. get it right? Right, right. Um I've heard the word meditation. I've heard the word regression. Uh, David, you said your first experience as we started this discussion was related to a meditative uh, session. Is there a difference between meditation and uh, a regression session? Um, for, For you and your listeners, because I've done as much research as I can on this, the reality is that past life regression is probably a little suggestive. It might not be the perfect thing to research because adults have a lot of hidden memories. So they may be remembering something they watched on television, something else. Those are all possible explanations. Um, Usually uh, researchers will use meditative experiences the same way. But the reality is if you're talking about the medical science, you're talking about subconscious memory that exists related to beta and theta waves in the brain becomes really complicated. But subconscious is literally suppressed, but it's part of our evolutionary cycle so that when you experience something in the past, your body keeps a record of it. So if you touch something and it's hot, you realize it's hot so you don't touch it the next time. 
which is kind of interesting that that's the same place that past life memories come. So if you've experienced a, a danger in the past life, that continues with you, which makes sense from an evolutionary state. Uh, I've got to ask you, because you, we've talked about the books a couple times here, and we'll certainly talk about them more as our discussion goes on. But in the titles of both books, you have Mother, Isabella, God, and Elizabeth. What is, what, what, who are those people, and what is the meaning? I mean, I know who God is, but... Yes. Well, and, and again, this is part of our meditative experience that became even more interesting and more exciting. And with the lessons we learned from past lives... But the lessons we learned from these four individuals became, or four beings, if you want to call it, became even more important to us during some of the sessions when we were meditating. The first person I met, and again, this was sort of a strange experience for me, is I was meditating one day. This was on day three of meditation. Yeah, on day three. I met a woman, and she reminded me of Carla from a side view because their eyelashes were a lot alike. And this woman was happy-go-lucky. She had sort of a purple cloud over her head, and she kept showing me a shoe. And so right after meditation, I thought, I'm certainly crazy, but I went in and I said, Carla, I think this was your mother. And she was showing me a shoe and this cloud on her head. And what would you do, Carla? Well, first of all, my mother died in 1996. Dave did not come to uh, buy the practice until 1998. He unfortunately never met her. So when he said this to me, I didn't doubt it one bit. I've always been open like this. Mm -hmm. I just thought, why the heck is she coming to him? Why not me? (laughs) So I went over to the computer, and I brought up all these shoes, and I said, what shoe did my mother show you? Now, there's 60 or 70 pairs of shoes on this computer screen, and he picked out the pair of shoes that my mother wore. She was a ballroom dancer, and she had a certain shoe she wore. She never veered from it. It was always the same type for her entire life, and she wore them as dress shoes, too, as long as she was comfortable. He could not have possibly gotten that shoe correct, and he did. Wow. So So that's number one. That's mother. And so as I continue to meditate and I continue to get these memories and I'm getting pictures of little things and I got a Civil War battle one time and a man shaking, a little Civil War officer who was shaking a Bible at me. And then I started to have this other woman show it up and I show up and I can't say it anything except that she kind of reminds me of Carla because Carla usually tells it like it is. <laughs> And this woman told me her name was Isabella and that she had been with me throughout my lives for almost 6,000 years. Wow. And, again, I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm right on the edge of still crazy, or do I still believe what I'm seeing? The, everything Carla's looking at is showing up as true. Every research I'm looking at is true. I have some spiritual being who tells me that she's Isabella and that she's my spirit guide and she's been with me for 6,000 years. And Carla kept asking questions. And one day Carla says, well, who really is God? And I heard the voice say, I am. And then he got extremely emotional. 
And I started to cry, and, and I, I didn't... I didn't understand why, because, of course, he's meditating and we're silent. And all of a sudden, he was very emotional, and I said, what, what, what's going on? And he started to explain it. And shortly afterwards, we met Elizabeth, who is also Carla's spirit guide and has also been with her almost 6,000 years. Wow. And so, while writing this book, and we certainly heard lessons during this, and they would explain what we did wrong in past lives and all these kind of things, we thought they needed credit because really much of the book is written with their inspiration, and it's a story we had to tell. And, of course, the details, the vast amount of details that are in the book, because the gift of past lives is 21 of our 29 lives, and the details are just so unbelievable what Dave is able to get because Dave really does have um, the ability to go right to the life and live it like it's right now. I'm trying to keep track of uh, questions that are scrolling through our chat room as we go through here, and there are a lot of them. Um, because it's such a fascinating story and a fascinating topic. But I want to ask you something about something you said a little bit earlier. I think, uh, Carly, you said you went for regression training. Did you, yes. you, you use the word training. Does that mean you were trained in how to help other people have regression yes. sessions or for yourself or both? Well, um, when I first had the 1962 experience, I actually went for a regression therapy. Um, I had that done myself. That was two years ago. And then shortly thereafter, we went to the Omega Institute in New York, and we actually trained under Dr. Bryan and Mrs. Weiss for a week-long seminar. And there were people from all over the world. Interestingly enough, the United States is very behind on this subject. There were people from Chile, Japan, um, Italy, every country you can think of. And a lot of them, their hospitals, would send them to learn this and their social workers, a couple of them had come, like from Chile, for instance, to learn regression therapy to help end-of-life patients. I mean, they're all on board with this. They understand that it's something real, it's something true. But in the United States, we're all so afraid to, you know, think that it, it could be possible. Yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't God have given us something like this, like a loving parent give us, opportunity after opportunity to get it right instead of just saying, nope, you didn't get it right, go to hell. We actually had the day that God jumped in and said, there is no hell, because it was God's plan from the beginning that you would get chance after chance after chance to learn and grow and then return home. And that's part of the, the lesson even in the book. And people always ask, well, why would that be? And you'll probably get into this because everybody who's done past life regression ends up talking a little bit about free will. Well, the reality here is if you don't have free will when you're back here on this earth, you can't choose to love because the choice to love can't be forced, can't be out of fear. And so God wants you to make a choice to love each other, God, everyone, because that's really the message and that's the lesson that we all have to live through in this life. You said that God came to you during one of the regression sessions. Did it have, did, did God come to both of you simultaneously? 
No, it was actually during meditation. Oh, during yeah. meditation. During but meditation. So no, it's, it's, it's today, well, actually, yes, God did come to me once, but at a different time. And by the way, this is not unusual. Um, on a lot of the reincarnation sites that we um, are part of and we listen to other people, God talks to people quite a bit. It's, it's not unusual. Yes, and and there's one of the. This is another one of those sort of religious moments as we've been trying to study. There is no time frame, even though it's always been sort of taught in the churches that there became a time when God quit talking to people. Well, the truth is, God continues to reach out for to us, and in fact, spirit guides are really. God's direct extension to each of us, so we each have a spirit guide that's directly connected so that we can get information or learn lessons. And for some of us, it's really that little voice in your head. But if you start to listen, meditate, that little voice in your head can become a connection that's more directly related. And I hate to say this because churches for fellowship but I think you can reach God directly, one person to God. I think that's important to um, hear somebody say, because I often think we're told that we need an, an, an intermediary to make that connection, and I don't necessarily believe that's true. Um, I want to ask you about karma. Karma is a word that that my understanding comes from an Eastern philosophy and an Eastern religion, however you use it here, and it's used more and more frequently to transcend religions. Tell me how karma fits into this concept of past lives. Dave, you should tell him about the five simple rules, because that leads right into karma. All right, we'll tell him. So that during our meditation, we've really, and from Isabella, we've learned five simple rules. The five simple rules are live without conceit, without jealousy, without selfishness, always be forgiving, and always love. And the real issue there is that anything that makes you more loving or decisions that are made loving decrease your karma or overcome your karma. Those decisions made or intentions made that are jealous, selfish, conceited, or unforgiving end up causing negative karma. So if you're not compassionate with your fellow man or you're mean to your fellow man or however you'd like to look at that, we kind of discuss good and evil as really concepts that we don't really like. It's Uh, positive or negative. It's really positive or negative. And so if you have negative experiences that you're causing to others, you're going to build up some negative karma, and you may have to experience some of those things in your next life, to overcome them so that you will show compassion to those people that feel that. It's kind of been interesting as as we've been going through this. There's a series of lives where we're Viking and we're fighting the Scottish, then we're Scottish fighting the English, then we're English the next life fighting the Scottish again, and then actually there's the Vikings at the Emma of Normandy time come in and are fighting with the English, join with the English, and then they fight back against the Scottish. And what the lesson we learned is that in all reality, we live on every side of every issue. Mm -hmm. So we're literally fighting ourselves. 
And that's part of what this karma is about. And those five simple rules, as we outline them in the book, um, we actually tie them to each of those 21 lives, and we explain what we did wrong in every one of our lives and why we came back another time because we didn't get it right, obviously. So, We've been here for 6,000 years. So you were able to recall enough detail through your regression sessions and your meditation about these past lives that you could actually determine what you did wrong, uh, what you yes. had to necessarily correct for in the next life? Yes, and we, with the guidance of Isabella and Elizabeth, we and we've written that after every story. So you could people can read it and say, oh, wow, they weren't very nice. They did this, this, and this. No wonder they came back. Or, um, you know, it, it doesn't paint us in real positive light, but everybody's been a saint and a sinner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and these, these experiences and these uh, regression memories that you were able to find from deep within you, is it always together, both of you together in these, or, or do you have very uh, individual lives and then ultimately come together? Well, I've we had, have our own. Yeah. We have our own. Dave meditates, and I meditate, and we see different things. Yeah, I've had forty-two lives. Carla's had thirty-four. However, we have found each other in twenty-nine of them together. Oh wow! Okay, so when you say forty-two lives, is that because that's all you've been able to uh, remember through your meditation at this point? Could there be more? No, no. I think that's all. That's what Isabella has has told us. Those oh, I are the forty two lives we've ex- I've experienced. We have the names, where we lived, when we lived, our astrology sign, and what we died from, specifically in every one of our lives. Oh wow! Um, I want to go back to these five simple rules again for a second, uh, and and this this concept of karma. Uh, you basically described them in, in its simplest terms, saying that you know as you treat somebody, um, you're going to be treated uh, in the next life or in, at another time. So if you bully somebody, expect to be bullied in your next life, so you can experience what you put someone else through. So as you learn from those experiences, as you go through these lives and you start to learn from that process, what is the ultimate outcome once you've gone through all these life's lessons and these many lives? Um, in succession, what happens at the end? Do we know? Uh, we know a few things. So we do know that um, when you're finally done and you've learned all the lessons, God welcomes you back home. Um, because of all of our meditation experiences, I'm going to give you kind of a little example. That time between lives, we call it atonement. In, in our book, um, some people call it past life review that some of the NDE people have had. During that time frame, you live what you did in this past life. You get to feel what the person went through that you did it to, so you do get a, ch- a chance to learn some compassion. And I've, and I've got an example because I've had the what I would call an absolute uh, privilege is when my father died in this life, I was meditating, and I got to go through his past life review, or at least a portion of it. So I'm going to tell you a few stories. My father has a, had a past life where he was a slave trader delivering slaves to Bermuda. In that life, he separated parents and children and husbands and wives, chained them into the bow of the boat. Right. 
And then in the very next life, my father lost his daughter who was stolen or kidnapped, and his wife died during childbirth. And then he had J.J. Wright, who was me in the Ruby story. Um, and I, my mother died during childbirth, but he literally had to lose part of his family. And in this life, my father was got his master's degree, was a high school principal, and he got a very severe case of Parkinson's in his oldest, older age. And from the age of 60 to the age of 84, he was chained to a wheelchair with his disease. Hmm. So, so I want you to think about sort of how karma might work. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, Carla, um, I'm sure you have similar stories and similar memories. Um, you mean as far as atonement? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, my, the memories I get are not as detailed as what Dave gets. Dave is very talented. Um, like I said, the, he gets details that I don't get. I have not lived through um, atonements. I actually, though, did witness one day, I was laying on the couch, and I was kind of in and out of meditation, and I heard a man say to me, um, we're sorry for what we did to you. And I said, okay, I heard that. Who are you? And I called Dave, and I said, this is what I just heard. Who was it? And he said, well, it was your father. Your father was getting ready to um, come back to be reincarnated. And one of the things that they must do, and they hope that they do it for the right reasons, is they have to apologize to those that they have caused harm to. Um, and in my life, when my parent, in this life, when my parents finally did get divorced, my father didn't keep in touch with any of us girls. He was not a good father. And it really, you know, what daddies do to their daughters, it, it carries on. Um, but that was during his past life review, and that was something he had to do. Um, so, you know, that that's a really nice thing if people really do it. Um, we know that he did come back, and he had a very short life, and he's now back up there again. But he he did apologize to me, and that meant a lot. Sure. Yeah. We're talking tonight with Dr. David Bettenhausen and Carla Bogni Kidd about their shared past life experiences and past lives in general, what they mean, why they're important to understand. They've written two books on the topic that share some of these experiences, The Gift of Past Lives with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth, and Hell No, Reincarnation with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth. And you can get more information on the gift of pastlives.com. I need to ask you a question that uh, that scrolled through the chat room just a few minutes ago, and I don't want to forget it. Um, a lot is discussed about Akashic Records. Yeah. Um, have you ever had Akashic Record readings, or do they play into this idea that we're talking about tonight? I'm going to tell you that the I think there's confusion related to that. Mm-hmm. However, um, I think your own soul is that portion that the world likes to call the Akashic Record. It's, you know, maybe you want to call it a metaphorical book or a metaphorical record, but you're literally recording all of your past lives in your soul. All of it remains in your subconscious. That's what past life regressionists do. They're tapping into that past life memory. 
I think that's your Akashic record, because it's really the record of everything that's occurred in your soul. And if you put all, everybody's soul together, I think that's what most people are talking about when they're talking about the Akashic record, is the record of all of the experiences of all of mankind. You mentioned, I'm oh, sorry, did you want to add to that, Carla? No, he, he described it very well. I think, unfortunately, in this world of the metaphysical, spiritual world, there's a lot of labels put on things. I think it's a lot simpler than it needs to be. Um, people talk to their spirit guides. Some people talk to passed-over um, persons waiting to reincarnate. And they all, just like us here, we all have different labels and different titles we put on things. And, and I think it's just what Dave said, and I don't know where Akashic Record came from, we hear it a lot, we read it a lot, but yeah. I think it's just that record of everything. Yeah. Uh, David, uh, when I asked you what the outcome of all of this was after you've done several lifetimes of atonement and you've learned all that you can learn, if that's even possible, you said, and I think I'm quoting you here, God welcomes you back home. What does that mean, that you no longer experience uh, physical life at that point? You're just, is that heaven? That's heaven. That's what most of us consider or could think of as heaven, that time of returning back when you no longer have to deal with any of the life stresses of the physical world. Um, you're in communion, if you want to call that, it's sort of a religious word, with God. Um, it's joyful. There's no longer the stresses that everybody has to go through. And you've literally really completed all of those jobs that you needed to learn or those lessons that you needed to accomplish. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. Yay. Tell, talk to me, um, and, and either one of you or both can field this particular question, talk to me the importance of learning this about yourself. How important is it to us in the here and now, for whatever that is, uh, that we know about our past lives and some of the things that we've experienced prior to this life? Well, if you know what you did wrong um, and you know you're back here, we do have soul memory and we do have personalities that are very similar every life. If you know that you're carrying some things from a past life and you're possibly carrying them into this life, then you better take a good look at yourself, self-evaluate. If you know in the past you were selfish, conceited, um, you know, jealous, look at yourself and say, am I doing that again? If I am, put myself in check. There's such... Everything stems from those five simple rules when you think about it. And it's just really, it's easy to overcome it if you just stop in every choice you make. You ask yourself, am I doing this, 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 or this? Stop yourself. Evaluate. And if you really want to think about it, JV, because everybody doesn't have the experience that we have, but if you really want to think about it, the reality there is, if you live your life with the intention not to be conceited, selfish, and jealous, and if you live your life with intention to love, it probably doesn't even matter if you, had, if you know your past lives. Mm. Because it's really a matter of this is the life that matters, and you can't change that past anyway. And so it's really an acceptance of that we're not perfect people, and we don't always, we're not always perfect, but we have the chance to start to become better people today. And if you find out in the past you were somebody famous, 
so what? <laughs> because you're here now, so it wasn't that great, was it? <laughs> exactly. But I, I have to kind of question something you just said, Carla, because I would assume, and maybe, maybe my uh, assessment of this isn't accurate, but I would assume most people... Most people don't have the luxury of having knowledge of what their past lives are. And even if they have some hints of memories, they might not make that connection. So therefore, most people are going through this life, the current life, whatever the current life is, without the uh, benefit of knowing what their mistakes were in a past life. So it'd be hard for them to be able to atone for things that they're not aware of. But at the same time, I have to, I have to believe that something either innate or divinely driven helps us fig- uh, cr- uh, correct those wrongs even though we might not be aware of it that's called a spirit guide yep. if you open your ears and you listen and you meditate they can reach us if your mind is always busy and always shut off they cannot reach us and remember jv if just like i told you in the subconscious we have even in neuro research and all of those things in the subconscious we have a record of all positive and negative experiences in this life. And if you're aware that you have some sort of record of all positive and negative experiences in your past lives that affect how you make your decisions now, or if you want to think sort of a Buddhist perspective, if you disconnect from your suffering or you disconnect and thought you you were living, and you've changed your perspective, and you start living on the right path, you can overcome anything in this life by just making choices that are loving. And J.V., Isabella, Dave's guide, gave us this little chart one day. This will help. If you are a Taurus, Gemini, or Cancer, In a past life, you were working on conceit, which means you could have a tendency this time, so correct it. If you are Leo, Virgo, or Libra, you have a tendency towards jealousy. If you are Scorpion, Sagittarian, or Capricorn, you have a tendency for unforgiveness. And if you're an Aquarian, a Pisces, or an Aries, you've had a tendency towards selfishness. Do those apply to this life as well? Yes. Those apply to this life. And yes. we are given an angel that helps us specifically with all of these things. So if you're meditating and you see colors, the color is your angel, here to help you overcome those things. So you're really not in this all alone. And the, the reality is one of the lessons even in the book is we're never alone. Um, and there's always some help that God is sending you. Either that he's giving you another chance, he's sending you angels to help you, he's sending spirit guides to help you. And then we have our family mates that we that are here because we get along great with them. They're here to help us. Now, uh, I, I have forgotten already what you said the first group was, because I'm, I'm a Cancer, so I was in that first uh, triad of, of astrological science. Okay, yeah. so Taurus, Gemini, and Cancer, you had a tendency towards conceit. Hmm. Is that why I'm doing a radio show? Is that what this is about? No, you know, conceit is in a lot of forms, and and that's why we have these all outlined as the five simple rules, because conceit isn't just, I spend all day looking in the mirror. You could have a tendency to think that your way is always the right way. Well, I know that to be true, so I'm okay with that. (laughs) There you Um, go, baby. None of us want to admit it. There you go. 
all look at this chart, we think, oh, God, I'm so bad. But you just keep working on it. David, you said, I think you said 42 lives. Is that, is that, was that the number? That's correct. Um, how do you know when, when uh, how, how, how do you know how far along in this evolutionary process of your, your lives you are? I mean, is it, is it a thousand lives? Is it a hundred lives? Or does it vary depending on how much progress you make each time? Um, I think it varies depending on the progress you make each time. You know, I have to admit that every time I talk to Isabella, I do kind of hope that I'm close to the end of the cycle. Um, but we don't really know. When you go through your review, you know. Yes. Yes. When you go through your past life review and you're in the middle of atonement and you realize that they keep showing you things you've done wrong in your past life, you, I think there comes a point when you realize, well, okay, I'm returning for another one. Um, but I, I've read different things, but the reality is it's really a matter of just learning to love and so I'm hopeful that writing the book is part of our mission and sharing the love experience that we've had is part of our, our mission, and hopefully that's going to help me get closer to being done. When we talk about um, living past lives, obviously a big part of this discussion is the reincarnation process. Um, you come back, you live again. Are, are human souls always living as human souls? That's our experience. So a human soul wouldn't come back as a horse or a, or whatever. No, and if you and if I know this is strange because I keep talking about some of the science stuff, but most of the researchers do not experience that anybody reports that. And then the other thing that's true is there's some evolutionary reality that if there's some form of soul, conscious, stream, etc., that it requires some sort of neuroreceptors in the brain, and it would be unlikely that our species could reincarnate in another species because the receptors would not be present. And, J.V., animals live with instinct, not karma. Mm. Animals are pure love. They're here to help us and love us, and they don't do anything wrong. And I've seen some of our past pets on the other side playing and happy. So I believe that your favorite pet cat, or Luna, who's my cat who's laying here next to me, <laughs> isn't coming back again. She's going to be done when she's done with this particular experience. In addition to past life memories and learning about past lives through meditation or regression sessions or th regression therapy. What are, is there any other proof of reincarnation that we can point to? Anything else that we can um, put into that column? I, well, if you, we could put a few things in that column because certainly there's multiple religions that have had beliefs in reincarnations. Most of them are Eastern religions right. or indigenous African Indian, American Indian populations have believed in reincarnation. Um, certainly these past life memories of children. I'm, I'm going to just bring up one of the stories because it's one in, in Ian Stevenson's book where there's a little boy and he says, do you remember when I was married to Gene Smith, let's say. And the mother looks at him like, what? 
Well, they find Gene Smith. And he goes back and he says, you remember when you were my wife, Gene? And then he runs up the stairs in Gene's house because he knows where the stairs is. And he runs into the bedroom and he looks down and he says, Gene, did you ever dig up under the floorboard? Because I hid some money in there before I died. And they pull up the floorboard and there's $4,000. Oh, wow. Now, how would a three-year-old know Gene Smith, who lives in a community that's 35 miles away, and that there's money in the floorboard? Right. So those are the kind of stories and, and verified cases that Ian Stevenson and Jim Matlock talk about. Um, and then if you look at our life, we have Ruby and JJ, and we found Ruby's birth certificate yeah. in a memory, and we found Angelo Jenna when I, all I heard was the name Angelo, but we found out there really wasn't Angelo Jenna in 1925. And we actually took a trip to Chicago. Uh, actually, it was to the first Brian Weiss seminar that we went to. And while we were there, we went to Little Italy, and we were walking around Little Italy, and Dave had it in his head that he could find the apartment building that Ruby lived in. So with Isabella's guidance, we were walking around Little Italy, and she would say, turn left, turn right, you're getting hotter, you're getting colder. And all of a sudden, I looked up across the street, and I said to Dave, look, and there was the brick building, and it said Isabel Apartments on the top of it. Oh. And we saw talk about a chill up the back. Yeah. Said, oh, my God. I mean, how could that be? And a friend of ours actually went back and did some research and found out that it had been there since 1899. And it had been in an apartment building since that time. Wow. Um, that's, that's proof. You know, as people talk about these phenomena, sometimes there's discussion, and in, in many ways it seems to be a, a more common discussion that uh, maybe we're not necessarily talking about past lives, and I want to get your opinion on this, um, but maybe instead we're talking about uh, interdimensional or, or, or concurrent lifetimes. We're living many lifetimes all at the same time in different periods of time, and just sometimes there's a crossing of these dimensions and bleed from one to the other. Have you given any thought to that or looked into that at all? Okay, I'll, I'll answer that, JV, because I... I... I'm currently reading every quantum physics thing I can find because many people start to discuss this issue. Mm-hmm. I think it's it if it's not the Akashic record and past life memory, it would be more likely that it's some sort of stream of consciousness that people can tap into. I don't believe we live multidimensional like some people say. If people say Time doesn't exist, but the reality is time is a measured vector in quantum physics. Cause and effect works in quantum physics. Um, quantum physics believes if there, if there is parallel existence because it occurs by probability that one of two things happen, and it's really one of a thousand things or one of a million things, the possibilities that every split is a new universe that has no effect on the other universe and that every universe cannot reach this universe because there's no entanglement between the opposite universe and this universe. And so even if that was the case, that there are multiple streams of, of lives going out in all directions, 
quantum physics would like to say memory is more like a, a wave and an energy that came from a pebble being dropped. The past is still behind you, and the future is the front of the wave that we haven't reached yet. Um, we're going to run out of time here before I run out of questions. That seems to happen when we get into topics like this. Yeah. <laughs> but um, again, I want to bring God into this discussion just a little bit because, you know, we've, in part of what we've talked about, we've talked about organized religion. Some of those teachings do not uh, um, work in concert with some of the things we're talking about. But yet, at the end of this, you and you even said uh, when we're done with all of these lifetimes, we're welcomed back home by God. So God does play a part in all of this, is what I'm hearing. Huge, absolutely, and that's probably one of the most comforting things. You know, again, you know, JB, we were raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. To just suddenly say this is an accident doesn't make sense. There, there is, you know. I'll use the quantum physics people. There's more matter in the universe than antimatter, and it should be exactly equal. There is order in the universe when there should be entropy and chaos. There is evolution occurring faster than would be predicted by scientists. There is some driving force toward order that exists, and my experience is, the driving force in the order is God. You have two books currently out, The Gift of Past Lives and Hell No Reincarnation. Um, do they have to be read in a particular order? No. No, I don't think so. I think they can both stand on their own. And if you, oh. had, if you had to offer basically you know, a couple sentences of a description of each of them, um, how would you do it? Um, I would say the, the gift of past lives is about our journey is about our journey and our path that took us five years worth of meditation journaling and experiences with lessons from past lives lessons from god and a reality that we're an infinite being and our goal is to return home and with hell no reincarnation after we wrote The Gift of Past Lives, we lost family and friends because they just didn't want to believe that we had an experience. So we wanted to reconcile um, our experiences with God through Hell No Reincarnation um, with history and um, some of the research. Yeah, hopefully we did it with both. When you say you lost uh, them, do you mean that they just didn't agree with your uh, points here, and therefore it created some animosity between you? Or do you mean you physically lost them? Um, physically, they won't talk to us. Um, Be- because of your beliefs here? Yes, yeah. because mm-hmm. of our beliefs. Um, normally, after we do a podcast or a radio show, we get um, we get some very angry people that think that we're God-haters, Satan worshipers. And yeah. hopefully, if they would just read these books, these yeah. books are all about God yeah. and all about love. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that at all. I'm really surprised that people, a lot of people just don't listen. They hear a few words and they draw conclusions yeah. from that, and they don't, yeah. they don't take the time to really understand what the conversation is. That's sad. That's sad. What do you? Know, you and, and I'm going to sit, tell you, JB, it might be a thousand people who say, "Great, I loved it," yeah. because they're a little more open-minded. Right. And there's four or five that come back and say. 
are these guys worshiping the devil? Yeah, yeah, and they're the loudest, and they also are the most yeah. most daring when it comes to social media posts. It seems yeah. <laughs> right, but um, you know, there might be people listening, and I'm sure there are actually uh, that are saying, "Geez, I'm really curious as to to know more about my spiritual journey, my past life experiences." How do you recommend they get started on that uh, that journey of uh, revelation? Religious meditation. Yep, meditate every day. Open yourself up to the possibility. Journal any, what might even seem like small glimpses. Think about those things in your life that seem to be, you know, synchronicities. Or Uh, dreams that you think are way too vivid are usually past life memories. And then get some regression tapes. Brian Weiss has one. There's YouTube videos that you can do yourself. But start with meditation. Yep. If, if you're somebody new to this and you do start meditating and you do start to have flashes of memory, is there a way to determine whether or not uh, you're actually getting glimpses of past life memories versus, you know, either you conjuring something in your imagination or recalling a TV uh, show that you fell asleep to last night? Well, usually most people, because we've done some past life regression on people too, but most of the time past life regression a real memory has emotion tied to it. So if you just think you're watching a movie and it doesn't, it doesn't move you and it doesn't make any change to you, it's probably some sort of just memory that doesn't matter to you. And the other thing to realize is you're going to find a lot of past life memories that are traumatic, and the reality is the traumatic memories come up easier. Yeah, they surface first, so don't be alarmed, because it was then, not now. Carla, um, David, what would you like to leave the audience with? We've talked about a lot tonight, but what's a final thought that that you'd like them to leave this uh, discussion with? Well, I, I, I like to leave people with this thought. In this world, we're certainly in a state. It's certainly more peaceful world than it used to be, but we're still not taking very good care of our planet. We're not taking very good care of our fellow man. We're not leaving this planet in necessarily the best state for our children. But I want you to realize that not only are we not leaving this world in a good place for our children, if you believe in reincarnation, you're leaving this planet to yourself. Yeah, yeah, you're leaving it to your future, to your next life, whatever it happens to me. Yep. Um, Carla, anything to add to that? Well, I would just like to say, don't be afraid to open your mind. It's there for a reason. And don't be afraid to think outside the box. Uh, it, this has been a really inspirational and, and a very interesting discussion. Um, so I thank you both, David and, and Carla. Your website is uh, thegiftofpastlives.com. Is that the best place for people to go to find out more about your work, plus uh, more information about the books? Yeah, Absolutely. Great. And I imagine the books are available probably everywhere books are sold. Amazon, anyway? Yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Noble. Walmart.com. Yep. Terrific. Well, again, thanks for being here, both of you. It was a real treat and an honor to have you with us tonight, and I appreciate your time. 
Thank you so much for having us, JV. Yep, thank you very much, JV. It was a pleasure. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by JV Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.